Welcome, my love, to the Living for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Anastasia, aka Anna Empowers, here to more deeply understand with you the rich fullness of God. Because when you understand your creator, you understand his creation, yourself, his world, all that he designed for you to be. God led me out of self-sabotage and insecurity and the new age deception by breaking chains that bound me to my past. And that is my mission here today with you to help you in him and in him alone break chains that bind you to your past, break chains of shame, of insecurity, of self-sabotage in him. So together we can be humbled and surrender to his glorious love and unleash the gifts that he willed for us to bring into his world for him and his glory, not for ourselves. He wants to guide you. He wants to pour into you. He wants to heal you like he's healed so many aspects of my life. When I didn't even seek him at first, God is so good, so patient, so perfectly loving. On this podcast, you'll receive inspiring stories and experiences and mistakes I've made all along the way, plus the unique perspectives of thought leaders on faith-based life and faith-based business so that you can amplify your faith in God's work in your own life. God wants you to store the unique gifts, talents, and ideas that he gave you. He sanctifies and clarifies your unique design the more you come to know and walk with him. God is the strength that I lean on every day to be made into a better steward, servant, wife, and woman for his glory. This is a story about hope. This is a story about grief and faith. And this is a story about praising God earnestly, not out of a sense of duty or obligation, because we're told to praise God through it all, to praise God in the dark moments of our lives, in the valleys. This is a story about how I have been praising God earnestly in the middle of that valley for me. I'm going to center this story around this year of infertility. There's been a lot more to the story And this has been at the core of my grief. So let's start there. (sighs) My husband and I have been trying to conceive for a year now. We started last May. And right now it is May 2023. And nobody ever expects to try for a year. Nobody ever expects to try for five years. Some people try. My grandmother, I learned, tried for 11 years (laughs) before conceiving my mom. Uh, My mom also has an older sister. So she had her first child and then for 11 years was waiting on God's miracle in the form of my mom. So nobody expects to try for one year or 11 years. Most people expect it to take one to a few months. Some people do because of stories like mine expect it to take a little bit longer. And if you know me, I used to struggle with control, with forcing my will, with getting my way, and especially getting my way through sheer willpower. If I just do this thing right, I'm going to have a predictable result. If I just take these steps, 
I'm going to have what I want. That takes God out of the equation, right? And especially with creating life, the only one who can create life is God. And I took that completely out of the equation. So for the first six months, I exerted my will the best I could. I did all of the things. I'm not going to get into it. Maybe I'll do a whole separate video on what I've been doing in the fertility journey and really focus on that. But this video isn't about that. This is about the grief and the hope and the emotion beneath this journey. Let me fast forward to today, the past few weeks. I, for some reason, really put this pressure on and really got it into my head that this was the month that it would all happen because I have been so obedient. A month ago or so, I gave everything to God. I stopped straddling the new age and Jesus and I got off that fence and went all in with every part of my life, including my business, which prior to that was based in new age approaches like shadow work and whatnot to heal trauma. I gave that up to him and went into faith-based coaching. And I was kind of patting myself on the back for that (laughs) and expecting a cookie, expecting a reward for taking that step of faith. I also heard God tell me in church about a month ago to get baptized. We were having a baptism weekend at my church, which happens about twice a year. And they talked about how it was coming up and God told me, you're going to get baptized. And I signed up and it was scary as heck. And I got backlash that I wasn't expecting from certain people. And I did it anyway. And that was the moment when I thought, look at how good I'm being. Look at all these works I'm doing. Look at how much and how readily, how quickly, as soon as God gives me a message, I act on it. Look at how quickly and readily I obey him. He's going to give me a baby. (laughs) I need God to be out this, made God out to be rather this deal maker this not only genie, but this works-based God, that if I am good and obedient, then I will be rewarded with what I want. And that's, of course, not who God is. And I was almost deceiving myself about the fact that I was seeing him this way. I was telling myself I wasn't doing that, but I was. That's why when I got my bleed the day before my baptism. I just lost it. I just broke down. At this point, I was at a women's event about to proclaim my faith to a room full of new age coaches for the most part. And I was going to speak in front of them and tell them my testimony. And maybe an hour or two before then, I got my bleed and I just fell into this grief and despair because I had these high expectations, because I was doing so well, because it marks one year of trying, which puts me in the category of infertility. 
And because it's just something I really want, right? Anybody who's gone through this journey can attest to this. And if you have, I'd love to hear about your story in the comments. Anybody who's gone through this can attest to how badly we yearn for parenthood, for conception, when we're ready, when we're trying, right? When we're actively desiring it, it's something that I want more than anything. So on the way home from that event, it was about an hour and a half drive, maybe a bit less than that. And I was just bawling the whole way home. And I was praising God the whole way home. Let me walk you through what that looked like because I realized in retrospect, having this conversation with other believers that this is not necessarily the the most common reaction to grief. And I have found it so comforting and so biblical in retrospect that um, I just wanted to share kind of what I, what was going through my head and through my heart and how it has honestly come down to the way I see God. Like the, the reason that I've been able to talk to God the way I did was that I didn't hold the belief that I couldn't, that I couldn't bring certain emotions, certain confusion, certain anger to him. I I held and hold the belief that I can bring anything to him, and I do. I didn't carry this shame or wall off my emotions with shame, thinking that I can't bring certain emotions to him. And because of that radical honesty with him, I felt that he liberated me. Because I brought those to him, I didn't have to carry that grief and those emotions anymore. And I still have some grief. It's not that it's not magic, right? (laughs) The thing about a relationship with God is it's not a magic spell. It's not some kind of practice that we do and then Baboo, everything's great. It's a relationship. So it's not as simple as I tell God about my grief and it goes away. Yet it becomes so much lighter. All this weight is taken off my shoulders. I still get to feel the grief, but I don't feel alone in it. I don't feel like it's my responsibility to carry. And I have faith that God's going to get me not only through the grief, but through this infertility. So I was bawling my eyes out in the car, (laughs) driving on the highway, (laughs) trying to keep my eyes straight, wondering if I should pull over. Um, (laughs) I probably should have. And I was just praying the whole way. And, And when I say praying, it's just a conversation, right? I'm talking to God like he's a person, like he's a loving father because he is. And I'm telling him, God, I don't understand it. I don't understand what's going on, even medically. Like everything should be fine with me, right? My husband's results are okay. Like nothing is terribly wrong. And I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the physical aspect of it, the medical aspect. I don't get the spiritual aspect. I don't understand why we don't have a baby yet. I know it has nothing to do with deservedness. You show us this in the Bible, that it's not as simple as 
do the right thing, be a good person, and only good things will happen to you. I know that we're going to experience pain and suffering in this life. And this isn't even that. This is simply me not getting my way, me not having my will be done, my will in control. And I want your will to be done, God. And where my heart's desires don't align with yours, I pray that you change them. And if they do, and it's just a matter of time, I pray for your patience, God. I am so sad and I'm, I'm so confused and I'm a little angry and I don't know what's going on and I don't know your logic, but I know it's higher than mine. And, and I trust you and I have faith in you and I have faith that whatever comes of this, whether whether we get what we want or not, whether we become parents or not, whether we become parents in the traditional biological sense or not, I know that you have a higher plan for us than I do. And I trust it. And oh my gosh, I trust it. And oh my gosh, it hurts. It hurts because I had certain expectations because I had certain desires and I didn't get those. And that hurts. And I want this so bad and it hurts. And I trust you. It's the both and that I bring to him. I bring to him the grief and the sadness and the little bit of anger. And in this case, there's not a whole lot of anger right now. And in other situations, there's more. And, and I bring him more anger in that. Right now, it's mostly grief. As you can see, it's tears, it's sadness, it's anguish, it's pain. Um, but I'm not afraid to bring him anger either. I just, that's not what I'm feeling right now. And I bring him all of that and I bring him faith. So the, the musings that I've been having, the thoughts, the insights on the other side, not really on the other side, in it, I'm in it. I'm clearly still feeling it is to bring our whole hearts to God. Job. And we're studying, my husband and I are studying the book of Job right now. I know it's just such a fun book, but the, these are the kinds of books I like to study. Job, Revelations, I want to get literally to the heart of the matter, to the, to the tough parts of life and what God does in that and what we are to do in our relationship with God in those. So Job, in, in the book of Job, he cries out in anguish. He curses his own life. He curses the day he was born. He curses his whole existence. And he never curses God. That's the thing. I feel like we wall up our negative or painful emotions with shame because we think that if we bring them to God, he'll be offended. He'll think we're ungrateful or he'll think we don't trust him or we don't have faith in him. It's okay to doubt and still have faith. It's okay to bring doubts and questions and confusion to God. In fact, if you don't, that's when they grow and they fester. It's okay to bring anger and grief to God. In fact, when we don't, that's when those emotions grow and fester and corrode our hearts that's what hardens our hearts. It's one of the things, at least. One of the things that hardens our hearts to him and to life in general is bearing the weight of these emotions on our own. We get to have faith in him and mentally 
you know, know that he's a loving and faithful God and still have doubt and still have questions and still have difficult emotions and have those conversations with him. He can handle it. He can handle any conversation you bring to him. So praising God through grief doesn't mean we pretend everything's okay. Like, oh no, I like this. No. <laughs> praising God through grief means I bring all of my grief up to him. I tell him exactly how I'm feeling. I show him exactly how I'm feeling. I emote. And if I don't emote with him, I'm going to emote somewhere else. And it's probably, especially if I'm suppressing, which I don't typically do, but I, I see this all the time, right? In my work, when we're suppressing, the emotion comes out sideways, which just means we lash out. We might snap at someone for no good reason, just because we're carrying so much weight. We might blame people who don't deserve blame. For me, it's usually my loved ones, the people closest to me. That's oftentimes who we lash out at, who we blame because it's easy, because we feel safe with them. So ironically, the people we feel safest with, the people we love most are the people who are going to be on the receiving end of a sideways emotion of an unhealthy expression of an emotion if we don't bring that emotion to God. The other thing I've been learning through this Job study with my husband is um, the woman leading the study, Lisa Harper. I'm, I'm doing a Lisa Harper Bible study with my husband. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just think it's funny because she, she leads women's studies. So Lisa Harper was talking in the Job study about how grief is actually a sign of hope. And that really stuck with me. And to elaborate on that, she didn't elaborate in this way, but I'm going to just elaborate on that a little bit because it can be confusing. When we have grief, that means we also have an inkling of a belief that God has the power to help us in the darkness, that there's something on the other side of the grief. We're grieving something and we're, we're saddened by something else not being in its place. That means that we believe in the possibility of something else. We believe that God can provide that something else, that hope on the other side. While if you're past the point of grief and you're at the point of apathy, that is when hope feels lost. Apathy is the opposite of hope, not grief. Grief and hope have to reside together. So when you bring him our grief, we're actually also bringing him our hope. When we bring him our anger, we're also bringing him the desire to reconcile, right? If you're, let's talk about a human relationship. If you're angry with a fellow human, with your partner, with your friend, with your family member, and you hold that anger back, you can't reconcile. The anger will fester and grow into resentment and will push that person further and further away from you. You will probably intentionally push them away, subconsciously at least, because you're not addressing the anger. It's growing inside of you as long as you're carrying it. And not to mention, you're just carrying it. You're not letting go of it. And you can't let go of it until you address it. One way or another, you can address it with God. You can address it in another relationship with a person. If you bring your emotions to God, you and God can reconcile. 
You can believe right now, maybe you doubt his goodness. Right now, maybe you doubt his provision, his love. Maybe you're struggling and you're wondering, how can God be here? Like God's forgotten me. If you're in that season of, where is God? He's turned his back on me. If you don't bring those feelings and thoughts to him, how can you reconcile? So right now, on the other side of the last few weeks of grief, where the grief is a little lighter, but as you can very well see, it's still here. I'm starting to feel God again. And I realized in the last few weeks, I felt him emotionally less and less. I sought him just as much, if not more mentally in his word and prayer. I sought him, but I didn't feel him. And I realized it's because that reception of his love was blocked by my own grief, by these emotions that were heavy on my heart, these emotions that were hardening my heart to him and in general. The more that we experience suffering and we carry it with us, the more our heart is hardened, right? You look at people who have experienced a lot in their lives and it's made them bitter and hard and apathetic. And then there are other people who have experienced a lot in their lives and it's made them better and stronger and able to endure more. The difference, at least one of the main differences I see between those people is one of them holds on to these emotions and carries all that burden by himself or herself while the other doesn't. They bring it to other people. They bring it to God. They unburden their heart. And that's what God wants for us. God delights in our coming to him. God delights when we bring all of us to him. God delights in our brokenness. God delights in every piece of us being his. It's when we hide pieces of us from him that we start to grow distant from God. God wants your nearness. God wants you to seek him. God wants you to bring all of you to him. I'm going to end it there. Comment if this stroke struck a chord in you. Comment if you're in a season of drought or a valley or in a season of Job or feeling like God is far from you right now. And I'm just going to end us in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for being the great reconciler, for always seeking seeking us just as much as we are seeking you, always reaching for us, always pursuing us. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. Thank you for your good plans for us. I pray, Heavenly Father, that Anyone who's listening to this or watching this right now, I pray that they may feel you, that they may feel your Holy Spirit dwelling within them, that they may feel you in their hearts, Lord. I pray that you just draw us ever nearer to you, especially in times of struggle or strife or grief or heartache. I pray that those of us who feel distant from you right now or feel pained that 
we reach for you, Lord, that you show us how best to bring these things to you, that you shine your glorious light on the shame in our hearts and you rebuke this lie of shame. You rebuke this shame that is keeping us from you, Lord. And you show us that we are loved in our brokenness, that we are loved in our grief and our pain, and that you are the great physician, the great healer, and the great provider. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I love you. Thank you for listening, my love. I'm so grateful for you. And I hope you took something powerful away from today's episode. If you haven't already, hit the follow button so you never miss a new episode. And if this episode felt valuable to you, go ahead and leave a five-star rating and review on the Apple podcast so that other children of God like you can find this podcast so we can reach more people. If we haven't met yet, I would love to meet you. Go over to my Instagram at Anna Empowers and say hi, send me a message. I'd love to chat with you. Also head over to my website at AnnaEmpowers.com to dive deeper and explore both free and paid offerings God has been pouring through me to serve you so that you can ditch those shackles of conditioning and your past and step deeper into the stewardship God has called you to. Remember that God holds all the power. He created us to lean on him, not to do it on our own. He created you wonderfully and beautifully as an integral piece of his kingdom here on earth. So steward your gifts with purpose. I love you so much and I'll see you in the next episode.